Welcome to part two of the China Space Interview series, where we discuss Chinese space culture. In a previous episode, we had a general coverage of Chinese space culture, ranging from the presence of space in Chinese pop culture, the involvement of the government, as well as the commercial aspect of these things. And in this second episode, we focus more specifically on an iconic product of Chinese space culture, which is the sci-fi movie and blockbuster, *The Wandering Earth*. Just like in part one, we are joined by our exceptional guest, Molly Silk, a doctoral researcher in science, technology, and innovation policy at the Manchester Institute of Innovation Research, as well as an associate lecturer in the Asia Pacific Studies at the University of Central Lancashire. Welcome, Molly. And as Blaine and Art are not that familiar with the movie, we have a collaborator of the Dongfang Hour, Aurélie Gillet, who kindly accepted to cover for us. So, thank you, Aurélie, and uh, welcome, Molly. Hi. In the second part, we will focus on the Chinese movie *The Wandering Earth*, So, Molly, you recently published an article analyzing this movie, where you argued that uh, this movie was a tool for China uh, to advance its own narrative about the Chinese space program. So, first, a quick introduction to the movie. The Wandering Earth is the cinematographic adaptation of the short story of the same name, written, written by Yuo Cixin, published in the year 2000. The movie was released in 2019 and generated $700 million in box office receipts. So to quickly summarize the story, the story takes place at a time when the sun is expanding and all countries unite to save the earth by creating engines that are powerful enough to push the earth out of the solar system. And this plan is called Project Wandering Earth. Of course, not everything goes according to plan and a group of Chinese rescuers tries to save the world. So before digging into uh, the movie itself, can you tell us more about the Chinese narrative on its own space program and how it is conflicting with that of the US. Please, Mui. Sure. Um, so thank you very much for having me, um, Aurelie, and, uh, and, and everyone else, uh, Jean and uh, Blaine. So the Chinese space narrative, I suppose, um, is one that they uh, are very keen to kind of you know, promote um, and share. And that is simply that China's space program um, is for the benefit of mankind. It's for the benefit of humanity. And while, um, you know, it is a way for you know, China to develop its scientific and, and technical industries and the results of the space program are beneficial to the rest of the world. And of course, the US um, also takes a, a quite similar um, stance. They um, talk about how, or you know, political actors talk about how you know, space uh, or their space program is also for the benefit of mankind. Um, but as we begin to see, as uh, China has been making more developments in space, US political actors have been a lot more hostile to this idea of China you know, developing and having this leadership role. So um, the US, for example, um, in the previous administration, the Trump administration and the uh, Mike Pence as well, he, he also mentioned um, in uh, several speeches that um, the US must not let itself be led by anybody else. Uh, the country must maintain its leadership in space and they cannot, and you know, specifically, as was said, we cannot have China leading us. Um, in space. And I think this is a worry of the US that um, you know, if China um, are to manage to enhance um, you know, developments uh, for the, the world and the whole of humanity, people or countries will look to China as a leader in space. Um, and this is something that the US is, uh, is a bit worried about. 
Yeah, so we have those two contrasting narratives, conflicting even narratives. So China is advancing, advancing the fact that its program is for the benefit of all mankind, whereas the U.S. is advancing a China threat narrative. Uh, actually, it applies also in other areas, not only space. Uh, so now we can turn to more concrete examples from the wandering earth. So how does the movie reflect the way that China wants to be portrayed? Uh, can you give us some more concrete examples of this? Please? Sure. Um, so the movie is, um, of course, focused on Chinese actors and you know, told from a Chinese point of view. Um, and I, I suppose uh, I'm okay to do spoilers, aren't I, in this episode? I'm sure some people are watching this. So, sure. <laughs> um, so by the end of the movie, um, you know, Chinese, these Chinese actors end up saving um, the world from um, you know, being pulled into well, the gravitational pull of Jupiter. Um, and so you know, China is essentially the hero um, in this case, and um, you know, everybody, everybody cheers. Um, and of course, this is not an unusual narrative for, for a country to have, particularly if we look at US films as well. You know, often we often see you know, US actors you know, saving the world essentially. So, in, in this case of China doing it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a negative thing. I think when I talk about this, um, some people think that I'm saying, well, this is advancing a China narrative, and therefore it's, it's you know, um, totally you know just fantasy and it's fanatical and you know um but you know other countries like the u.s have done this as well you know in their films and their narratives um so also if we look at the kind of characters in this film as well they are you know, interacting with those with the people of other nations really quite easily um you know they have a really good relationship with the the other nationalities um you know on board you know this kind of spacecraft that they're on and you know at one point we even see a scene you know of, of everybody cheering um for a particular space actor due to all his hard work um and so i think this represents you know, china having a really good relationship with with the rest of the world and, and its kind of activities that it engages with in you know in space or relating to space in this movie so um, overall, a very you know, positive image of, of how China is perceived. It's true, yeah. And about um, diversity uh, in terms of nationalities, we can see um, many scenes in the movie where different nationalities are portrayed, are shown. And uh, I thought that linguistic diversity was also very interesting because in the US movies, usually the overwhelming language is English. And uh, I don't, I don't think that other languages are often used. Whereas in this movie, we can clearly see that many other languages are used. On the space station, for instance, uh, every astronaut speaks his or her own language, and they always understand each other, despite the fact that they're not speaking the same language at all. I thought this was a very interesting example. Mm, that's very insightful. Yeah. Um, and about. Um, what are the signs that China want to be, wants to be portrayed as an actor which acts for the benefit of all mankind? Do you have specific examples for that? Um, yeah, so I think, um, I think generally this, um, so like I say at the end of the movie, there's this one Chinese actor, he sacrifices his life for you know, the rest of humanity. So I think this kind of cumulative, um, you know, this conclusion rather, you know, demonstrate China's willingness to you know, act on behalf of humanity, not just you know, for themselves. So I thought this was quite interesting to have this kind of like sacrifice um, you know, ending. And so, um, yeah, I think this is perhaps like the big one. Um, you know, a lot of the movie is kind of very you know, action packed. Um, so I think this is kind of like underlying narrative there of uh, you know, China wanting to benefit mankind. And also, I think 
being you know, technologically competent as well. You know, China is, is a, a big player here and, you know, they've managed to contribute to being able to move Earth out of um, the solar system and you know, out of the pull of Jupiter. And so I think that um, it's not only just about being seen as wanting to benefit humanity, but also being technologically competent as well and being able to be on the same like level playing field as um, you know, the rest of the world. Um, I think also this demonstrates, again, this leadership aspect. China you know, can take initiative and you know, lead the world out of danger. You know, I think all these little things um, kind of come together to create this you know, narrative of, again, a uh, kind of space program or space initiative that is uh, beneficial for, for the world. Mm, yeah, that's very interesting. Exactly. And how, how does this movie compare to uh, Hollywood productions, for example? Uh, so I personally found that there were many similarities. Uh, for example, there's a high production value, well-crafted special effects, and an overwhelming focus, I think, on the production country. Um, even though, for sure, um, in the Chinese movie, there is a lot more focus on other nationalities as well, but the overwhelming focus is still on China. So how do you think uh, this movie compares to Hollywood productions mm. by the US? Yeah, I think I think the similarities you, you bring up are um, really accurate. You know, like you say, um, in Hollywood, there's focus on the US as sort of the main actor. Um, and so again, just to kind of point out that China are doing this as well, it's not a, a slight on, you know, this narrative or, you know, saying, oh, we'll look at, you know, China doing this particular thing that China, you know, force their narratives onto the rest of the world it's it's not you know that at all because again we've seen other countries do this and other countries do this all the time um particularly the us um it's just kind of very interesting that this is happening on this kind of like big budget um scale um and so you, you mentioned the special effects as well so this is something that the the you know government entities are quite keen to promote as well they're saying you know, this is they kind of named it um china's first you know blockbuster sci-fi film um i think indicating you know the, the scale and also the production value i've read you know some reviews of the the movie as well and um i think the chinese audiences may you know for the most part um saw this movie and said, you know, really proud of the special effects that um, you know, the Chinese film industry has been able to achieve. They might not be, you know, completely on point or, um, you know, look totally realistic, especially compared to somewhere like Hollywood, but you know, it's certainly um, a massive improvement, a massive step. And um, it's definitely, you know, a, a great film to kind of found um, this continued development of sci-fi films and big blockbuster sci-fi films. But I think there's going to you know, be quite an appetite for, particularly as the you know, sci-fi literary scene is quite um, already well developed in China. And so I think a lot of people will want to maybe cash in on that. And oh, sorry, production companies will you know, take those stories and turn them into to films. Um, and so I think that's something that's that's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. We might see a lot more of. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that China is replicating the way that the US is disseminating uh, its own space culture? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I think... I think in, in some ways it's difficult to say because on you know, the one hand, um, there does seem to be many similarities um, between the way that China is propagating or promoting its, its space culture or developing a space culture. And oftentimes you know, we see that now, as we kind of discussed in the last episode, through commercial means and uh, you know, through, now through kind of science fiction films and you know, sci-fi art, that kind of thing. And, and so... You know, it's kind of interesting to think to what extent is that following on from the footsteps of, you know, previously successful space cultures and to what extent is it just a natural progression or kind of an, an organic thing that arises from having a very popular program, you know, science program. Um, but I think in some ways it's definitely uh, a lot of um, 
purposeful movement in that direction. Um, I think being able to see just how successful these aspects have been in you know, the US, I think is definitely, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know, a desire to replicate you know, many of these things you know, and put China's space program within this kind of map of culture in much the same way as, as perhaps other countries have done. Um, but that's yeah, what I think. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and how about the, the impact of this, this movie? Do you think that, uh, how do you think it has impacted a Chinese audience? And then how do you think it has impacted um, a Western audience, for example? Mm. Um, so, like I said, I think a lot of um, Chinese people obviously went to see the movie and it was a really high, high grossing movie. Uh, you know, domestically, and I think a lot of Chinese people really enjoyed the film, enjoyed seeing China center stage, um, particularly somewhere like space. You know, this, this kind of new frontier—it's something that they perhaps haven't seen or, or you know seen China do before. China has never been in this kind of position, this leadership position in space. So I think uh, there was a lot of positive reaction towards the film in China. Um, outside of China, I think that's really interesting to say, and it perhaps depends on the country. Um, so. I think in there were some showings of it in the US, um, and now it's available on Netflix. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the reviews are quite mixed. I think some people are again quite skeptical. They see this film and they think, oh, it's just another piece of you know, Chinese propaganda. Or they, they they're not used to seeing China center stage, and so that you know is something that they then associate with propaganda or, or thinking, oh, it's just a way for China to push its narrative. Perhaps not recognizing that you know the US or the Western countries do this too in in their movies. And then other people, I think, were quite appreciative of China for actually trying this and, and being quite successful with things like the graphics and the story. I mean, I think I think the characterization, the characters, was something that a lot of people picked up on. They said they you know, perhaps didn't connect well with them um, just because of the way that the, the script was written, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure how relevant that is to um, perhaps different nations and, and nationalities reacting to this film, but um, yeah, but yeah. Um, to what extent does this movie contribute to the international internationalization of the Chinese narrative? Do you think that do many people know about this movie actually? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it really depends on what sort of circle you're in. So when I speak to a lot of my friends or colleagues who aren't really, you know, they don't really keep up to date with, with China-related news. Um, a lot of them not really heard of it before. Um, or some people might say, oh, I think I saw it advertised on Netflix, but, you know, I didn't didn't watch it. So um, at least kind of in the circles that I'm in, um, there's not really been that much acknowledgement of the film. Although I think it really, really depends on perhaps, you know, who you talk to and, and who's seen it. I think perhaps if you're interested in sci-fi movies or you're interested in China, you know, you're, you're more likely to have heard of this film, but certainly it's not reached the kind of popularity that, you know, more mainstream US movies have reached, at least in the West, which is uh, interesting. Um, and I'm not sure why this is, I don't know if it's because of you know, marketing or, um, you know, the platform it was sold to, um, or just generally, you know, maybe a, a disinterest in sci-fi or, or you know, people haven't really cultivated a taste for you know, Chinese sci-fi films yet. I'm not sure um, what the reason is for that, but I'd certainly be quite interested to, to research this more and find out people's reactions. Definitely. And how did you personally react to the movie? And maybe can you tell us about what your what your favorite scene is, or maybe your favorite character? Sure. Um, so I uh, I think I was quite excited when it came out because I thought oh, China in space in movie form that's great. Um, so I was very very of course excited to watch it, and I watched it when it came out on 
on Netflix. Um, and I think my favorite scene is perhaps right at the beginning where um, we have the, the main character. I think he takes his, I think it's his sister um, out of school um, and they're running through this very distinctly Chinese, but also very futuristic kind of underground residence and I just thought it was really cool because they had uh, you know, some kind of celebration going on I think it might have been the new year I'm sorry it's a little while ago <laughs> since I watched it but uh, I just remember seeing that and thinking oh yes this is very very Chinese at the moment uh, we've not gotten to the sort of very bland desolate kind of top of the earth's crust yet you know everything is still very cultural down here and still has those kind of roots so I really enjoyed that scene um, right at the beginning yeah I enjoyed this scene too very much um, <laughs> so yeah this concludes our as our, the second part of um, the interview with Molly. Thank you very much, Molly. Uh, so if you liked uh, this episode, feel free to like uh, and subscribe to our channel. Otherwise, we have a weekly newsletter that you can also check out. So thank you very much and uh, see you next thank week. Thank you. And this wraps up part two of the Dongfang Hour China Space Interview series discussing Chinese space culture. Um, thank you very much for watching and a special thanks to Molly and Aurélie for participating. For any listeners and viewers who are interested in getting in touch with Molly, I'll put her email in the show notes. And I think she's also quite active on Twitter. Apart from that, thank you very much for watching and we will see you in the next episode.